Welcome to the Lifestyle Show on RTE Radio 1 Extra with me, Tara Lockery-Grant. Well, I'm kind of excited because there is a guy who's one of my rock stars. Yes, there are many people (laughs) in the world who I would love to talk to about who they are and how do they do what they do so well, which is our whole thing behind the Lifestyle Show if you're a regular listener. If not, this is what we do. We talk to people across these areas of food, fashion, travel, living, motors, health, fitness, well-being, just finding out really, really a little bit more about some of the inspirational pieces that we have on rte.ie forward slash lifestyle and in the lifestyle section of the RTE News Now app and across Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And today, Matthew, we will be Ricochet. Yeah, I, that whole build-up was, was <laughs> it was like you were leading up to Bono and you were going to go, but Bono can't be here this week. So instead, I dragged in some dude off the corridor. Thank you. Humble as always, Rick. But you listen, <laughs> we've been working together across platforms. Um, now I'm digital, you're continually um, in radio. For But I had we our path did cross when I was over here. You've got a change happening. You've been making news and, and uh, about it in the last couple of weeks. So first of all, what is the big news? And then I want to get into... Uh, let's go backwards as we normally do to find out a little bit more about you and your connection to all those areas we described. The the news, um, you know, big enough in my world as it is, but small enough in general world terms, uh, is just that I'm moving jobs in RTE. I've been here since 2001. I've been with RTE 2FM since 2001. And uh, starting on the 6th of November, I'm going to be presenting on RTE Gold. It's uh, a first for me and it's a first for Gold as well because Will Leahy will be doing the breakfast show every day. I'm going to be doing three to six every afternoon and they're the first live five day a week shows that Gold has ever had. So it's new for them and it's new for us as well. Gold, if you had to describe it in a couple of lines, what would you say? Gold is the greatest music. So if you start somewhere around about 1960 almost, although I will be squeezing in some late 1950 songs, <laughs> and you go all the way up to about 2005, 2006 and pick every brilliant song that exists between those two goalposts, that's what we do. Gold, you see, it's not a new thing either. The number of conversations I've had with people going, oh, oh well, when is that starting up? And you yeah, say, well, yeah. no, it's been there for nine years now. And it's just that gold has been there for uh, a long time, ever since RTE started doing the digital radio project, part of which is, is Radio 1 Extra yeah. uh, and 2XM and Pulse. And uh, it's always been there. And there's always been some programming across evenings and across weekends. Uh, and it's just now the point has come to kind of push it forward and to move it on to the next level and all those marketing speak th- things that people say to you uh, and give it some live radio shows every day because that's kind of what we do around here. Absolutely. A lot of people as well who are used to listening to podcasts, okay, continually hear ads, promos during them, the beginning, the end. We, we've, we've, we've become used to that. It's part, of, it's part of the podcast package. But at the end of the day, we're also a program on RT Radio and Extra, the lifestyle show. And we just happen to take that audio and put it into our stories and our interviews, which is where many people will be listening to this obviously we're on iTunes as well but um, with gold it is as you said it's been there for nine years yeah and it's you know it's really successful in terms of if you look at the number of streams of uh, people who listen to it online particularly you can't measure the amount of people who are listening on digital radios tons of people have them in their houses all across the country but in terms of online listening it's kind of huge it's interesting that you say about um, uh, advertisements and about you know people and all that kind of stuff for the first while anyway gold isn't going to have any ads. So if you're listening to my show every day between three and six, you're not going to hear news. You're not going to hear a sport. You're not going to hear traffic of what's going on uh, on the Lockatolly Road. You're not (laughs) going to hear any ads at all. Instead, you're going to hear 60 minutes worth of music every day. That's kind of the key reason none of us fought over what station to go for. That may have been. Now, for you, Rick, how many people could you summarise 
how many people you have spoken to, interviewed, talked about? No, you couldn't. Millions over the years. A, a fair few. Given that I started doing this as a job. No, the first interview I ever did was in student radio. I was uh, 18, 18, 19, whatever. And I just arrived in UCD. And the first interview I think I ever did with a, a, a real person was with the late Michael Dwyer who was uh, at the time uh, one of the biggest film critics in the, in the country he was mm-hmm. extremely well known uh, and that was when I was 19 I'm now 44 so do the maths yourself between that and that and I've been doing it as quarter a job quarter of a century look don't say things quarter like that quarter of a because century because I want to hide in my hodie and disappear <laughs> under the but yeah and to, to be honest you're trying with to you, make yourself loads. getting that in there Lil, that you're still cool I'm in my hoodie I wear a hoodie for comfort that's what I do this is <laughs> not a fashion you, statement you look very cool but no you're right you've been at this for a quarter of a century I'm going to keep saying it but that is pretty amazing we don't know and get to know much about you us the punter we don't know what do you want to know Tara? everything Not lifestyle specific. wise in particular so food fashion travel living motors health fitness well-being mm-hmm. how do you do what you do so well so go back a little bit okay so and, and kind of bring us a little bit on that journey so wh- what age were you when you decided yep this is a pre-19 this is what I want to do and and your career sort of plan or did you literally roll with it? I still haven't decided this is what I want to do okay. I, I'm still not sure about this as a, this seems like a really silly thing for a human being to do for, for a living um, and my, my parents would agree with me um, <laughs> I, I never did I fell into this I left school not really knowing what I wanted to do in life so I was told why don't you go and get yourself a nice arts degree so I went to UCD I did the first year of arts there I'd done a tiny bit of radio by that I mean I'd done a radio competition when I was 15 I'd done a little bit what was the competition? It was a competition on a Dublin radio station at the time where the prize was £50,000 worth of uh, prizes and that was in 1988 Did you say a little competition? That would have been I could have bought a house It was the equivalent of what would be you know kind of quarter million euros worth of gear today and I did that not because I wanted to be in radio but because I liked the idea of winning all that stuff Did you? No not at all Come on I was 15 it was a bit of terrible idea to have given all that stuff to a 15 year old I um I didn't. Uh, I did a little bit of radio in between school and college in a hospital radio station just to keep myself occupied that summer. Beaumont? Uh, in, no, in St. James's. It doesn't oh, exist anymore. Nice. It's long gone. No. And then I fell into the student radio station my first week in UCD. And I fell in and I started doing stuff. And then by the time we reached the end of the year, I was running it. Okay, so this you started in radio then and you were first year down the arts degree and then? Uh, and then I didn't go to my exams at the end of the first year. Uh, I know you can laugh it's, it's hang all good on, hang on can I just for any parents out there the word or students who need a line I didn't go to my exams yeah. not that I didn't sit them or I wasn't ready or no. didn't want to or just no. left it out no, no. I didn't go I didn't go I was running the student radio station at the time and I had d- decided probably at that point that I wanted to go and find myself a course that dealt with uh, broadcasting Brilliant. and journalism so I didn't I didn't go to any of my exams which is a terrible thing to do to my parents and it's hideous my did eldest, you tell them oh yeah they knew um, my eldest son is now 19 and he's just finished his first year in UCD and he's doing really well he's in second year now and if he did that to me I would be appalled I would he's try 19 and, now I'd try and throw him in a river it would be t- terrible I, and, and it's only as a parent when you look back oh, with yeah. that sense of perspective uh. where you can go God that must have been awful for them so I didn't and I ended up going to um, Ballyfermot to what is now BCFE for a year and I did journalism there and at the end of it I was offered a job on the radio in Wicklow down in Wicklow on the local radio station there that I'd been filling in and doing some stuff on the money was terrible uh, I was working six nights a week East and Coast I just went, no. East Coast, East yeah, Coast yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I ended up doing a, a show there and then you just jump from branch to branch to tree to tree to tree and next thing you know you're, you're here and you're 44 When you got here 
Yeah. That was 28, did you say? That was 28, yeah. So what, how did that happen? From, uh, that, from that branch to branch? I was unemployed. Uh, I'd been kicked out of my last job. Um, what, what, I, what, what? I'd been working in FM 104 in Dublin for about five and a half years and they decided they uh, were going to let me go and they did. And I immediately... What year was that? That was 2000. Uh, 2000. Yeah, no, sorry. Yes. Because you just left. I think you were just gone before I came in. Because you, you, yeah. you, you just arrived yeah. uh, at that stage. Uh, I had ended up... Uh, being unemployed. I was unemployed for six months, which was terrible. terrible. I was crawling the walls. I just had my son was my eldest was two at that point. So I had a family and I had a small kid and uh, I just scrambled around looking for radio jobs anywhere I could find them. I got offered one and then I got offered here at the same time and I took the job here in wow. 2001. And that was John Clark was here. It was. He was he? he was he was the guy who was in charge here at the time. It was one hour uh, four nights a week so I was on 11 to midnight Monday to Thursday and I was doing I think one show at the weekend as well oh my god so right. it was literally just a fingernail hold on the side of the cliff so then you went from Rick, from that to Rick in the afternoon or am I missing a step you're missing I did I think I counted it 15 different shows when I was in 2FM over the time I was stop here stop I did 11 to midnight I did 9 to 11 I did 8 to 10 I did the breakfast show I did 10 to midnight when I went back to night times again I did 6 to 9pm I did about 4 different shows in daytime this is so dull to anybody other than Anorax uh, but I, I did I, I don't think I ever did any show for longer than about two years when I was here because schedules change you get moved around and there was a lot of that happening at that time okay. now we talk we do talk an awful lot about well-being and mm-hmm. we talk about health and fitness here how Rick do you deal with a career like that where you're as you said 15 about 15 different shows yep. just within that's this one element and part of your career how do you do it and you always seem calm and anyone who listens to your show which is a lot <laughs> of the country how do you always sound like you are in a good place I'm a good actor uh, you have to be when you're a radio presenter. No, that's that's only slightly being flipped. I think anybody who does this for a living appreciates that there are days where you are having the worst day this year and you still have to go on and you still have to put on your polite, happy, smiley face and you still got to do your job. The same way somebody who is working in McDonald's does or the same way somebody who is dealing with you in a call centre does. Yeah. Everyone has to do that. I think the way I deal with uh, with keeping a sense of zen about my life now is very different than it would have been, say, 10 years ago. I was a very different person. Um, Now, I think I've always been fairly stoical. So I'm good at going, okay, that's just happened. (laughs) There was probably nothing I can do about it. What happens next? How do I deal with it? I think I've always been fairly stoical. And I think either you're built that way or you're not. And if you are, then a lot of things that happen to you in life, not that they wash over you, but you, 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 you then go, okay, this is not terrible. It's not the end of the world. How do I maneuver around this? What's the, the next bit? Um, I think a lot of it these days is to do with um, spending an awful lot of time off the internet as much as is humanly possible. Okay. Although when you do the job I do, you have to spend a lot of time doing all that stuff online. I think a lot of it involves um, spending time with your friends and with your family in particular. Uh, I've exercised for the last couple of years. I've been doing Pilates for about a year now. What have which, you? This is yeah. new. I didn't know you did that. This is for a little over a year. I, I, uh, I Possibly because my dad has it as well. I've developed back problems over the last year. This is the old man part of the No, no, no. Here this is lifestyle show. Here this is go. where we need to hear this so, stuff. So I got a dodgy back. Did, did anyone notice uh, I turned up your mic? Ago. You did. got a dodgy back <laughs> about a year ago. Um, <laughs> my, my back has been dodgy for a while. I always attribute that to my mother telling me to sit up straight when I was a kid oh, and sorry, me paying no attention. Yeah, me paying no attention mm-hmm. to that. 
that. So I got a recommendation from uh, a friend of ours who we will both know, Damien O'Mara in the RT Sports yes. Department. I was talking to Damo about it and he said, well, look, I heard, and he named a very prominent professional rugby player who claimed that doing Pilates, he'd had a dodgy back, had added two years onto his career. Wow. And I thought, I'll try anything once. Yes. So I went... <laughs> you about to do an accent there? I, I'll, I'll try another once. once. And then I ended up going to, there's a Pilates studio just, just behind where I live and I went in there and I've been doing it for about a year and... To be honest with you, I was I was in very bad shape with my back prior to that. And these days, not so much. Brilliant. And yeah. going to the gym as well and doing stuff on core strength. I'd love to be able to claim that I'm, you know, going to the gym five days a week. That's a total lie. If I manage two, I've done really well. Um, two in addition to a Pilates class. Yeah, two. This is great. Two, a little about here and there. And then... I think it's just because, like many people, I don't lead a very active lifestyle other than that. Well, I spend a lot of time at desks. I spend yes. a lot of time driving. And as a result of which, you, you've got to do something in order to stop yourself from, you know, becoming a giant blob. I, I was very brave with you a couple of years, about five years ago, um, when I said to you, I don't know how, uh, brave slash stupid? Mm-hmm. Brave stupid? Okay, don't Sounds agree right. yet. Sounds right, okay. <laughs> so anyway, I saw pictures of you, because we were writing something about you and, and, and for RT Daily, for such lifestyle, yep, shameless plug, but look, this is what we do. So anyway, I was writing a piece and I said, Rick, I need images. I went into our image bank, got, Ooh, dug out a couple of images, yeah, dug out some images from the past and went hello who's this bloke with your yeah. with your tag to your name there right there beside it and uh, you looked that was about five years ago so you looked better now than than you did before but I mean not that you looked bad then but you just looked great so oh no I looked terrible then but, I'm, I'm the first person to go what was the difference what was the difference I've always spent my entire life one way or another fighting with and don't weight. go with terrible come on I was no 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 look I, you know I'm, I'm, I can afford to be honest about this because it's me I was I was when I was a kid growing up I was a little barrel I ate really poorly I got very little Did exercise you? I was built that way a lot from the time I was a kid I've always been like a fat kid but 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 and was this because you were like you're always reading right we know from yeah, yeah. your poetry from your arts background from your your always read your seared like this information sponge continually but was that it it's a little of i was i did spend an awful lot of time when i was a kid playing computer games reading and watching tv okay and i did no team sports of any kind because i was terrible at them mm-hmm. i i love watching you know football and i like watching but i'm terrible at all of it so i had no aptitude for any of that and then I was just kind of built that way. There are thousands of kids out there like that, you know, that there were, we, of there our are. kids. Yeah. There was a little of as well when I was growing up, you know, I drank a load of sugary, full sugar drinks. This was before, you know, Diet Coke was a thing. Mm-hmm. So, and, and not parents, necessarily a good thing. You know, well, parents mm-hmm. weren't as, as attuned to the whole nature of the amount of empty calories going into, into, into a kid. So I did a lot of that. You know, that kind of up and down throughout my entire adult life as well. I think at one stage I was about 16 and a half stone. I was from having kids as well. You spend a lot of time being, you know, sedentary, spending time yes. taking care of them. You don't get a chance to go and do all that stuff you want to, uh, you know, and you end up eating a lot of bad food because you're going, oh, my God, I've spent 17 hours a day doing all this working, taking care of the kids, getting them to bed. Just feed me full of pizza. And, you know, loads of parents have done that. And then I went through a, a, a spate about 10 years ago where, you know, I lost, I lost about three stone in the space of a year, uh, mainly through the separation of my, my marriage. I know that seems like, a, and it seems like a flip answer, but it's not. Everybody it doesn't goes seem through, like a flip answer. It no. feels, as soon as you said it, I'm going, so glad I put you in that position Everybody that goes through a lot of stress. Yeah. Um, no, and I'm sorry like to hear that. That, that is happens. obviously no, very not hard. At all. And yeah. that's, it's 10 years ago now at this stage. Everybody goes through a lot of stress when that happens. And as a result of which I, you know, 
stopped eating and I was very stressed and a lot of this happened and went. But as a result of which, I did end up looking back at those pictures of myself from 11, 12 years ago, where it's like if you took a picture of me now, but kind of took a bicycle pump and just inflated <laughs> me by about another 25%. That's what I look like in these pictures. And so then, you know, the older you get and the older your body gets, you do start to say things like, I better start doing something to exercise and keep myself in some sort of nick or else there's going to be real trouble down the yeah. line and I'm going to I'm going to end up, you know, immobile. Yeah. Do, do you know what? And you're also doing yourself um, a disservice in some ways because you also very much have your head screwed on. Uh, I don't know how many times <laughs> a number of us have come in at different times yeah. and gone, Rick, whether we're about to go on air or have just been on air or should be going on air and gone, Rick, here's our stuff. And Mr. Zen Master, Mr. Stoic, Mr. Whatever, whether yeah. it's you or even and, and, and you and your good wife. There have been times where we may have sat down and gone, I think there Rick can and be, Liz, here we go. Here's our life's problems. Help. I think there can be times where you are very good at dishing that advice out to other people and very poor at taking it yourself. I like to think that over the years, ever since I started doing this, you're right. There have been a lot of people who've who've asked for advice about stuff in the same way that when I was in my late teens early 20s doing all this there were people who were been doing this much longer that I asked for advice in those situations I think it's easy enough to to, to dish that out sensibly and very hard to take it yourself sometimes particularly okay. when you in your heart of hearts you know what the right answer is you know what the advice is you should give yourself in any you know work related situation okay easier to do it with other people true that is very true so let's say for example someone's listening to you and they really are they're studying in one of the journalism courses broadcasting courses around the country and they want to do what you do what advice do you have for them? Run, I know what you're going to say. Run while you can. <laughs> run for the love of all. Um, if your kids, come on, what ages are your children now? My eldest is now 19. Yes. And uh, I have a 13-year-old daughter and a 10-year-old son. That's right. So if they turn around, any no. of them? Nope. None of them are allowed to go anywhere near the media at all under any circumstances. It's just not happening. I could not be more thrilled in my son. My son is doing history and politics <laughs> in UCD. That's fantastic. What's He'll have a real job someday. What's your daughter doing? My daughter wants to be an actor. And that's perfectly fine. It's, that's, that's, it's actually one of her passions in life and she's had that for a while. So okay. for now, she wants to be an actor and she's very good at it. So okay, that's good. Why. And my youngest uh, just Ten. wants to be a professional footballer. Yay! As most 10-year-olds do. Okay. That will probably change Maybe. over time. Seriously, if people are, are thinking of becoming involved in this business, it's a tough one. It is. Being a radio presenter specifically, I mean, there are different pieces of advice you give to people if someone wants to become a broadcast journalist or if you want to become a producer or a researcher or someone who works behind the scenes or someone who wants to become a presenter. It's an incredibly tenuous job. There is no guarantee of any longevity doing what you do here. For every one person you look at, for every Larry Gogan you can look at and say, Larry's been doing a job all of his life, he's been successful at it. He's been at the top of his profession. He still is today. There are a hundred thousand people who never made it and who in one form or another, you know, f fell off and ended up having to do something else with their lives or ended up having to do stuff they didn't want. So it's not an easy gig to do by the by, by any stretch of the imagination and part of the problem is if people want to know well how do you become successful in it the answer that you give them is not the one they want to hear yeah. which is hard work yes no one wants to hear that they just want to hear that they can you know step out on a stage like it's X Factor and all of a sudden people realise what a brilliant star you are and next thing you know you're, you're, you're a star well give us that you know because you're going to be on your shift is going to be it was three to six mm, so yeah. what sort of preparation is involved in that because I've seen you I've sat near your desk mm. and seen the hours that you put in and that's just the ones in the office so what is the prep for because you often hear presenters go they only come in and they only work these hours and they get that amount of yeah, money yeah. you know we've all heard it 
what is involved? Oh yeah, those guys, they totally do. Those people you talk about all the time, they have teams with 20 people on them. Those guys are just, no, anyway. Um, <laughs> in terms of what I was doing for the old show on 2FM and the new show it will be slightly different because the old show on 2FM, certainly the, the, the daytime show, there was a lot of content in it. There was a lot of stuff where we chatted about things that were going on. We did have interview guests and there was a lot of that. The new show, for now anyway, is going to be very heavily music-based. It's going to be a lot of stuff that I end up picking that I think people won't have heard in a long time or that they might like. There will be, we'll throw in stuff in there, there will be competitions, there will be opportunities for people to interact as well. A lot of Which it, works so well with which, you. Which I hope yeah. is going to be great. But a lot of the work on the new show is going to be music based. It's going to be around picking five three hour playlists every week and coming up with stuff that makes sense with regards to other stuff and then putting in all of the kind of music items that will, will belong in that. So, you know, for every for every three hours of a show you do, you probably end up prepping for another two or three hours for that three hour show. And if you're not putting that amount of effort into the radio show you do, then you're not really doing your job right. There you go. Now, that's only one string to your bow. Big string, mm. big bow. What that's else? The string that pays the bills. There it's you go. Big it's a big yeah, bread it's and a big butter. One. It's yeah, a bread yeah. and butter, baby. Tell us about some of the other things that you, you do, but also that you're passionate about. Uh, it's 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 really weird in that people have started to view me as this book dude in the last yes, they three have. or four years. Book and poetry. I've dude. always been that. I've always been that person. But, but it's the just, book club. It is. I think it's the last whatever four years um, since I started reviewing books, both online and doing it on radio shows, and then since I started the Facebook book club. And then since I started doing public interviews and started doing stuff at literary festivals and, and that kind of thing, all of a sudden that's become an, an enormous part of my working life, even if it's not the bit that pays all the bills and it's not all that, but it's an enormous part of where my brain power goes every week. This is where we talk about from the passion, mm. right? The passion that that, that the life, work-life balance. That child that you spoke about earlier mm-hmm. who loved gaming and reading mm-hmm must be doing backflips that, every time. That dude is very excited. He's kind of going about time you got around to doing <laughs> the brain stuff. About time you got around to, to, to interviewing, you know, Booker Prize winners. Let's get on with that. And it is that strange thing that I'm now at the stage after after the last few years where I've interviewed people who've won Pulitzer Prizes and I've interviewed give, Booker give, Prize Give us winners. some that have made you go, oh my God. Michael Shabon's a good example. Yes. I've interviewed Michael Shabon twice in the last few years who won the Pulitzer Prize for The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, which is a great book if you haven't read it. And he's a brilliant warm, fantastic, lovely guest. Uh, I interviewed Paul Beatty recently, uh, last year as well, who was the winner of the Booker Prize, not this year, but last year. Um, I've done panels with authors who I've thought are just the most extraordinary people imaginable. Like, like well, where do I start making lists out of all of the people I've interviewed over the last few years? The first couple of times I interviewed Donald Ryan, I was in awe of him to begin with. And then you realise that Donald, in interview in interview situations is almost like a one-man comedy outfit where he's playing to the audience and you're going, I thought you were going to be so austere and so serious and you're so not. You're such this warm, lovely, lovely. wonderful person. Like The weekend, a couple of weekends ago, I curated my first literary festival, which for that kid, that, you know, 13, 14-year-old kid to be told one day, you're going to be given a whole literary festival. Is that the Waterford In one? Waterford, oh yeah, my yeah, yeah. God. And that you're going to get to curate 25 events across three days. You're going to get to do whatever you want and invite whoever you like and make these things happen. That's that's enormous for, for the interior part of me who's, you know, doing little dances. There's your balance, right? So this is the work-life balance we're talking about. There's your balance between the hard work that you're saying, don't go into media unless mm-hmm. you have, it's almost a vocation, but mm-hmm. it is for you. And really, Rick, being honest, right now, we have you here. We can edit this if we have to. We won't. <laughs> Would you go... We won't edit this. Knowing edit everything this. that you've been through, the ups and downs, would you change it? Work-wise, sorry, work-wise. 
I think the answer is probably no with regards to everything in my life. I don't No, Do you know what? I wouldn't. Would I? I don't think I would because what I do now and what I do for a living and the other stuff that comes around it is so it's such a spurious way to earn cash to pay the mortgage and pay the bills. And, you know, I come from a family in in which um, my dad worked. He's officially listed on my on my birth cert as a plumber's mate at the time. But my dad mostly worked in everything in the building industry. Wait, wait, on your birth cert he was down as a plumber's, a plumber's mate? Yeah, he's down as a plumber's mate, yeah. Um, I, I presume that's an official title at the it time. Was, it was, it was the time, yeah. That's what he was doing in 1973. No, that's what he was doing in 1973. Yeah, he was, I think, at the time helping build some of the uh, the tar blocks out in Ballymun. And he was did that for a living, was unemployed for most of the 1980s. Um, like my mum grew up in a tenement in the centre of Dublin and only moved out of they're one of the last sets of people to move out of the tenements at the bottom end of Clumbrassel Street so for me to be told you're going to have this really silly job that allows you to interview major movie stars and famous authors and you're going to get paid to do it and um, you know people are going to like you and you're going to get to do things you want to do off the top of the back of that no I mean of course you're not going to change any of that there is the other part of me that wishes I had become that Nobel Prize winning physicist but you know would I be any happier than I am now probably not every time I've seen you do a couple of uh, big events okay where whether it's in the RGS or whatever the, 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 wherever and you are um, it could be blogger words could be webbies could be whatever mm. you stand up on stage and you coordinate and you MC. they must be nerve-wracking and if so what do you do what goes through your head what little tricks do you have lucky boxes whatever mm. it is what do you do to get yourself ready no I can do those in a heartbeat I don't think about them those ones you don't sound ever nervous you never sound nervous what I, makes I, you nervous you and see, what I do you th- do I think I've been doing those for so long that it's it's it, it it's just part of your work set of skills in yeah. that in theory right now you could walk me out that door put me on stage in the middle of something and providing I have enough notes I'll just do it wow. I could I could probably interview you about you know everything that you've done over the last while right now without any notes either and there are things that do make me nervous I will give you the example of the the Waterford Writers weekend a few weekends ago in the run up to that in the Thursday and Friday just before I went down I was as close as I've been to in a long time to just losing my grip on reality because the nerves involved in doing something like that for the first time and it's not the performance part of it either I was doing I think three interviews over the whole weekend it's about putting something like that together you have other people who have expectations on your shoulder they've entrusted you with their festival which has been around for 15 years and they've put it into your hands and said off you go and so then if it screws up if people don't like your events if nobody shows up the weight of expectation on my shoulders was was huge and I was fit to be tied by the time I made it to to, to the launch on, on the Friday evening. Thank you for your honesty because look, um, at the end of the day when you're doing something that is really pas- a passion of yours mm-hmm. to admit your vulnerabilities on that is... Uh, oh, I am immensely when it comes to a lot of things and there are certain people when you're interviewing as well if you're, if you're overawed by yes. them in particular um, that can be hard although okay. although if you've yeah. prepped yourself properly yeah. and if you've done all your research that's it and you have you don't even have notes, to look down you, 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 know you then them. have a safety net and you're, what's yeah. the worst that's going you're to in their world you don't you, you know all your questions off by heart you're ready to go Pilates healthy eating mm-hmm. family friends love culture books more books yeah interesting people movies theatre theatre you know trying to drink as little Games. as humanly possible 
Yeah. Um, I, I, I haven't been a gamer since I was a kid. I just, I wish I had that gene in me anymore. I don't. I see them as a total waste of time when I could be reading. That's Sorry. down to the kids. It's, Proud yeah. of your three yeah. and gold. And, and that and realising, I think, that there is a line. People are finding it really hard these days to draw the line between work and reality between work and why you work. Mm. And, you know, I'm not the first person to say this and I certainly won't be the last. Um, I try my absolute best to make sure that I work, I come in here, I do my job and then when I go home in the evening, I'm off. Yeah. I'm not involved in work. I don't really look at social media at all. Certainly at weekends, I don't because the reason I work is to create time and money for me to do stuff that I like with, you know, people that I like. This is why we like you, Rick. We might even love you. Rick O'Shea, thank you so much for talking to us on the Lifestyle Show. It has been my absolute pleasure. Break a leg in the new one. Thank you. So that is Rick. It's gold three to six and it's kicking off on November the 6th, which is Monday. And that's where he's going to be. That's where you can hear him live every single day. That's it from me, Tara Lockery Grant on the Lifestyle Show. You can read more about Rick in the interview or to e.e. forward slash lifestyle and also in the Lifestyle section of the RT News Now app. And we're going to be pushing it on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening. You've been lovely. The Lifestyle Show with Tara Lockery-Grant on RTE Radio 1 Extra.